Welcome to the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcast, where we discuss the intersections between society, martial arts, and culture. I'm Elliot. I'm Danny. So, Danny, you wanted to explore the value of traditional martial arts. I wanted to revisit a conversation that we have been, I think, referencing a lot, and it has to do with this question of are martial arts, are traditional martial arts dead? Are they useless? Are they non-practical in terms of contemporary um, conversation about martial arts, a combat-based, a sport-based setting? And I think the default conversation or the default conclusion is yes. Uh, If you spend... I would say probably like five minutes uh, online or on YouTube or wherever you get your information, you'll find tons of videos and articles talking about how traditional martial arts do not have a place in contemporary combat sports or even self-defense training. And I was hoping we could talk about that. In particular, I want to explore, I was writing in my notes, like, in defense of traditional martial arts as a theme. It sounds too big because I'm not really sure if I'm trying to defend them, but I am trying to ask myself to not run with the default common conclusion that traditional martial arts are useless, dead. Why waste your time, you know? Why is it useless? Is it because of the uh, flower, flowery movements, too much movement, um, or... You know, you know, to blocking a hit would be like two hits or something. I, I don't know. It, not enough bobbing and weaving like in boxing. Um, what, too too much. Uh, you know, s- you know, straight line, linear path. Like, what what about traditional martial arts? Do you think uh, other people think is useless? The conversation about traditional martial arts comes about for me how I got to see that conversation develop was first, should you learn them if you want to defend yourself? That was the first question. Second, where can you see them as practically applied, as appropriately used? And people say, well, there is a place where you can see them almost every weekend, and that is in the MMA ring. And in there, you will see that traditional martial arts do not succeed. And that's where that conversation hit me. And then I started having it with other people that train. Um, I think we've also shared it, you and I. And though I still have a couple things that I kind of think about as like uh, acceptance. Like, for example, I... I started catching these almost like monthly videos of like Chinese martial art masters fighting an MMA practitioner and getting beat up, getting hurt. The MMA practitioner with less years of training was beating up these people that had 20, 30, 40 years of training. Yeah, the the YouTube channel, the Martial Arts Journey, you know, talks about a young man who is uh, 
or was very fluent in Aikido and abandoned um, his 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 initial um, uh, practice to explore MMA because when he uh, sparred with an MMA practitioner, his Aikido could not hold up. Um, are you uh, you know talking about things like that? I mean, you know things like Aide, I, I, Aikido, which is you know from the samurai arts, and people don't fight like samurai anymore or um you know kung fu or or certain types of kung fu as an umbrella term for you know many different movements um are, are you saying that i mean people saying you know tai chi could be used as combat but it is also a very meditative and um kind of like yoga really for, for for exercise you're holding these poses i think that when people started questioning traditional martial arts they were looking at a couple of things, they were looking at how effective is this thing against an opponent that is not versed in the same martial art that I practice. And, and more importantly, uh, is not interested in making this easy for me. So that's the context. Then the specific traditional martial arts I think there's a couple. Uh, the first one that you mentioned, Aikido, is a Japanese martial art. And I remember coming across Aikido. I've trained in Aikido, but mainly focusing on the traditional uh, weapons. So the Boken and the Jo. And um, I can... I feel that it was weird because I really liked the keto. I and and I liked the keto in in the very reason, I mean for the very reason that people will say why it doesn't work. Uh I liked it because it looked beautiful. You know, I think about that. I think think about the usefulness of certain things and beauty. I think there's beauty in movements. But what if the beauty in of movements it doesn't really apply to life. I mean, it's kind of like, why do I want to learn calligraphy when I can write with my hands regular or type on a computer? That's way more efficient. I know it might be not a best, you know, comparison, but I don't know, Danny. Like you asked me if I was going to learn kung fu, would I? Am I interested? Well, with the time amount of time I have during the week, uh, I'd rather dedicate it. I can think of four or five other martial arts that I would uh, dedicate myself to first before Kung Fu? Well, I think that's the place that I, w I was hoping really to focus on because with, with the conversation about traditional martial arts being dead as a practice that we should invest in, um, I don't think they're all equally disrespected. So there is Aikido, which is a, a Japanese martial art, and then there's Kung Fu, which is Chinese. And I feel that there is something uniquely awkward about Kung Fu being the poster child of outdated traditional martial arts. Um, there's even conversations that the, the very teachers are delusional. They're frauds. They have taken their students' time and money and even bodies, you know, like if I give you 20 years of my 
time and you teach me something that is of no value, I could argue like you robbed me, you know, of those hours. But I feel there's something is specific here that I want to point out. I feel there's something underlying this targeting of Kung Fu because you could argue that karate, Shotokan is useless. You could argue that traditional uh, Taekwondo, which is one that I also trained, or Hapkido are useless because you don't see them in MMA. But there's something very specific, I think, about Kung Fu as it has become, I don't know if it's fair to say the scapegoat, but for sure the poster child of the critique of traditional martial arts. Do you think it's because Kung Fu movies were such ingrained in culture and Kung Fu was uh, maybe put on a pedestal for so long that, you know, decades later, people realize, wait, there are other martial arts that are potentially better. Um, I mean, and by the same time, though, it's funny because, you know, the things that we're talking about, the uh, the fake masters and stuff like that, you know, uh, Bruce Lee was talking about it in the 70s in, in his books. He was writing about it. Beware of, you know, these masters or these people who are say that, oh, I can't show you because it's too dangerous. And it's just, um, you know, built on fraud. Some schools are built on fraud. And even, even now, you know, there's, you see some, some BJJ schools and, 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 you know, they're being exposed on the internet. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you think Kung Fu is, is, is disrespected because, you know, of, of the movies, um, because people thought, you know, they, they, they had these special powers when in fact they don't. I, I'm going to follow you on that, uh, on that assessment of looking at the martial art and how it has a presence in our culture, in our society, how it entered our psyche, you know, our common knowledge of fighting. And I grew up watching Kung Fu movies like Saturday or Sunday on the TV. That was it. That was my fighting movie. And in the 80s, we started branching out. But for years, that was the only fighting style that we really thought was like, um, not just talented, but it was the art you were supposed to learn. If I was a little kid, I was, well, when I was a little kid, I would watch the movies. I'd go out into my backyard and I was trying to do the tiger stances, the dragon, you know, these moves that were fictional to some degree. I think that now we know that the movies that we saw were rooted in the genre of Chinese opera. So that even the Kung Fu we were seeing could be argued is a fake Kung Fu. I'm just being very clear, could be argued. Um, but for sure it was entertainment Kung Fu, like the way that you see Jackie Chan today. Mm -hmm. Anyone who does Kung Fu says, there's a lot of skill set in what he does, but he is not doing traditional Kung Fu. He's doing a Kung Fu that is very much compatible to be filmed and put on camera and displayed and consumed as entertainment. Absolutely. But I think you're right. That's probably the history. I mean, think about the, the, the level of 
depth that Kung Fu has in the United States and elsewhere. So that we saw, for example, um, I believe there was that old film, Kung Fu, with that white dude that was playing... David uh, Carradine, I think. Yes, in Yellowface, which <laughs> rumor has it that Bruce Lee was supposed to play that character. He pitched the idea, but because of the early Hollywood racism, they said, nope, not you. Let me put someone in Yellowface. Wow, I didn't hear it. about that. Yeah, that's what I remember reading um, that that was that period. Like he really pitched that. That was his role, but it got taken away from him. Well, so Danny, would you, with the time that you have, would you do a uh, start training in a, training in a traditional martial art? I mean, I mean, I think we find some sort of value, but what about time, energy, and dedication? I think that's a that's a lot. It's like it's like you know when I think of kung fu, I think of uh, young people. It's almost like it's almost like Muay Thai. Young people. They uh, go to a monastery and then they dedicate their life and become a master and then they meditate all day. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that I think are hard or that we have to assess behind that question. I asked you before we started recording, you know, like, hey, would you would you invest in Kung Fu? Would you take it? And you kind of laughed at it because it was kind of like a off the cuff question. But I, I asked you, honestly, because I have a feeling that you don't really think Kung Fu is a martial art that would give you the skill sets that you're looking for to defend yourself. Am I right? <laughs> and I'm wrong? Chinese, man. I mean, shouldn't I be defending it? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to see this uh, new evolution of, of, of people, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, mixed martial arts is gaining a lot of popularity in in china and you know it, it is that new versus old uh generation of, of of thinking and i feel like there's a sense of uh some chinese traditionalists holding on to tradition for the sake of holding on to tradition and there's a sense of uh national pride that you know doesn't want to be uh you know they don't want to rock the boat but I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be petty, but, you know, if, if Kung Fu would evolve properly, they would be head to head with Muay Thai. I mean, it would be on an international stage, but it's not. And it's hard for me to defend it other than, um, than Kung Fu being good for the health, good for meditation and for spiritual practice. So the answer is no. <laughs> that's that's right. Unfortunately, unless I didn't have to work or something, I would do uh, kung fu. But you know, I, I would go back to I would you know, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and Judo. At least at this point in time, those are um, my top three. If I was going to start training, is it fair to rephrase? or extract uh, a subtle subtext to your conversation by saying that you don't believe that Kung Fu has the skill sets or tools to provide you with the level of defense to use it? Yes, because it is not 
uh, generally a sparring martial art. It's a lot of hitting, you know, bags and there's some conditioning and uh, a lot of practicing movements, but, you know, I'm not hitting a heavy bag. I'm not wrapping my, you know, wrists because I'm, you know, to strengthen my wrists. Um, there's a lot of things that, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's short answer. You're, that's right, Danny. I don't think that, <laughs> that it is enough uh, to defend myself because, you know, if, if I see someone, you know, training in BJJ, trying to take me down, it, uh, I'm sorry, but not sorry. Kung Fu is not the answer in that context. And I want to return to why I'm posing these questions. I'm not trying to be difficult with you. I appreciate your sincerity because I feel that that answer that you just gave is one that many of us hold right now as the default. Like we hold a position that says, I've seen the videos and these Kung Fu practitioners are getting beat up in horrendous way. It's not even a fight. It's a horrible one-sided massacre like they're getting bloodied they're getting embarrassed you know by these other people some of the ones that I've really have felt were unfair was when these young 20 year old MMA artists challenged the 60 year old sensei master and that makes perfect sense on the movies that I used to watch. The, in the movies, the sensei looked like he was 100. <laughs> and he would fly up into the air and beat up the... Yes! <laughs> you know, people can't see what you're doing, but you're moving that long beard to the side, you know, so I wouldn't get out of the way, in the way of the fight. But that was... Even... even well, as an adult, I know that was fiction. As a child, no, I did believe it. Elliot, I I thought there's a sensei somewhere in deep in China who can beat up everyone, even though he's like 80 years old. Because that's what I thought when I was like eight. I thought that too. But now as, as a grown man, I know that's not true. That sensei holds tremendous knowledge. And I want to say that's a walking library. So my respect and my even like, not respect, appreciation and protection. Like I want that person to live forever, but I'm not going to fight him. It just seems unfair. I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, if, if in another life, if something happened and I had to join a monastery to train Kung Fu, um, yeah, I, I would do that. You know, being able to um, control breathing, uh, you know, and then therefore control heart rates and then therefore control um, so much of how my body's b- body functions. And usually, uh, you know, these un- un- unconscious, um, you know, body movements, you know, uh, a lot of these high level Kung Fu guys, they can control it consciously. And I think that's absolutely amazing, um, you know. It's it's almost clickbait. You know, that's real. You know, you know, kung fu kung fu masters. You know, but any anyway. Um, but do you think? So so so. But where do we go from here? What what is? 
how, how do we, how do we, you know, um, um, not solve this, but work it out? Because I mean, people like, you know, one thing is that I like Bruce Lee because I think that he is the first, um, MMA person. He is the founder of MMA because, you know, I, I've talked about it before, but you know, he saw Chinese Kung Fu, uh, he trained in it, got into a few fights and felt that his training, uh, although was good, needed more. He needed more skill sets and then went to look for um, and gained other skill sets. I mean, you know, Jeet Kune Do arguably is another word for MMA um, or what have you, right? So, um, you know, so when, so when I when I hear someone bashing uh, people like Bruce Lee or, or people who practice under him, you know, I think that's kind of petty and, and probably low-key racist. But um, I think, you know, but aside from that, you know, going back to hardcore traditional stuff, I mean, wh wh where do we go from here? What value does it have in the contemporary modern martial arts landscape? Well, first, I think that there's a space here that we can talk about. Um, like, what type of questions would you pose? You know, and I, in a past conversation, I asked you, to think about this question in this way. If you were starting martial arts and you were shopping around and you were asking me, hey, um, what should I be asking? You know, like for example, like let's say you're gonna buy a car. Um, I would give you a set of questions on what you wanna look for. And in terms of martial arts, I think we can ask similar questions. And I would ask you, what do you want to get out of it and right now just for the sake of time i'm gonna try and think about me answering those questions if you were posing them for me and i would say well i want an art that uses the hands and the feet so i want to be able to punch and kick then elliot does marsh does kung fu have that yes or no yes then Elliot, I want to be able to kick like a front snap, also like a circular roundhouse that can hit the low, medium, and top of the head. Does Kung Fu have that? Yes. And then if uh, if I'm in a closed position, I'd be I would like to be able to clinch and use my knees. Does Kung Fu have that? Yeah, there are some styles that teach that. And ideally, I want to be able to throw the person. So does Kung Fu have any techniques that sweep or throw the person over? Depending on the style, yes. And then finally, should we go to the floor? Does Kung Fu have any type of locks or something? I, I don't think so. I I don't think so i know bruce lee adopted that but I, I can't answer that and and for me that's where that's where that one gap would work huh i think i would say that kung fu has locks from the standing position um i never trained in kung fu i, I never took not even one class but i've been surrounded by kung fu practitioners in France. So this talk 
I've had, and they would get really angry at me because I would say things like, uh, I would say things like, well, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm doing karate because I like their kicks better. It was like, we got every kick that karate has. I was like, well, do you have a mawashigeti? Yes. Do you have a reverse mawashigeti, which is like a reverse roundhouse? You hit with the heel. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we got that. And, they, and then they would say, we even got another one that you guys don't have, this like spinning dragon tail kick or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, we don't have that one, Shotokan. I mean, they would always try and one-up me, you know? So they were just like, everything you say that you want, we have. But the thing that I think is interesting, even when we went to locks, they were like, we have locks too. We got wrist locks, shoulder locks, elbow. We even have like chokes, neck chokes, but they don't do the guard. They don't drop to the floor and like, you know, do newaza like judo does. So maybe that's one of the places that we can think about. It's, it's missing that. But check it out. Muay Thai doesn't have that either. Muay Thai does not have a guard, does not have a choke it doesn't have that you know yet it's respected but i think the part for me is that there's some gap between understanding what tools the martial art has and how it looks in performance because in performance we seem to see mma guys beat up kung fu practitioners i mean um yeah because kung fu right as as it mostly is now isn't a sparring sport it's a lot of movement and and health and my opinion you know meditative and and exercises that are good for the body for good blood flow for knowing how to work your body's energy but yeah you can't i i don't really don't have anything to defend kung fu I, I honestly don't. I, I I like it. I like the nostalgia of it. I like I respect the the traditionalism and the cultural um you know knowledges and the historical significance. But man, you know, clinch, elbow, knees. I you know, Muay Thai has it. It's the some of the, it's the toughest man. <laughs> Let me ask you to consider this question. What would happen if MMA practitioners challenged Muay Thai or what not war and went down the list? So they challenged Muay Thai, they challenged Taekwondo, they challenged Shotokan, they challenged Aikido, although we saw that one already, what happened <laughs> with Aikido. But we haven't seen the, the other ones. What do you think would happen? I mean, it really depends. I mean... Say for example, Muay Thai guys aren't, um, you know, trained to defend takedowns, but at, at the same time, though, a lot of Muay Thai guys are able to control the clinch and you know certain, uh, I don't know, BJJ stuff. But um, it really depends on the rules, in my opinion. And also, you know, Joe Rogan said he is waiting for a top level Muay Thai practitioner to enter into the UFC because he, he says that he hasn't seen that. Um, I mean, you know, Muay Thai person who additionally trains in MMA and is great. A lot of these uh, high-level Muay Thai, Thai Muay Thai fighters are doing that. I think that's amazing. Um, and that's where the money is at too. Um, but, you know, there is one thing that 
it really depends on how the kung fu practitioner uses the moves. You know, I, you know, I, I do follow um, Master Wong, who lives in the UK, and you know, yeah, you know, he's not perfect. No one is, but you know, in, in some of the stuff that you know he analyzes, he says, you know, this 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 kung fu guy who's fighting an MMA guy, this kung fu guy is just using the same three techniques over and over. Of course, he's going to get beat up. You know, he's not controlling distance. He's not, um, you know, doing X, Y, Z that would be effective. And, you know, if someone's not using the moves correctly, then then it's not going to, it's not going to work. Um, also, um, I think it's okay to incorporate Kung Fu moves and certain styles into, you know, someone's skill set. Um, you see, you know, some of uh, Anderson Silva's later fights, you know, he's, he does certain things, you know, certain uh, traditional, I guess, quote unquote, traditional um, um, Jeet Kune Do moves because uh, Anderson Silva is a Bruce Lee fan. And so it was pretty cool to see that. And he did make those things work. I mean, they're not, the stuff he did wasn't like, you know, knockout stuff, but it was, you know, someone stuff to mess with their opponent to just kind of quickly dis just disorient them. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of uh, tool sets that Kung Fu has. And I probably sound really awkward to people because I just said I've never trained in Kung Fu <laughs> and yet I'm defending it. But the reason I defend it is I'll, I'll be I'll be transparent. I'm a huge academic nerd, geek. Like I believe in knowledge and archiving information and not always having to justify why. So that as people are burning books, they go, well, no one's using C++ anymore. That language is dead. There's there's the other one, C++, pound. Throw it away, burn it. I'm the one that says, no, 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 no. Put it away. We're going to reference that later. There's history behind why we should like hold that knowledge. And, and part of me is, is really looking at kung fu in that way that even though when i see these uh, mma guys challenge um kung fu and they lose the, the the last one i saw was actually i thought was a pretty fair matchup the kung fu practitioner was in when he's in his 40s and was heavier and taller than the mma who was probably again in his 20s but probably like 50 pounds lighter and he still lost. But the reason I know it's important to reference is that when I saw him lose, I think I was speaking like like you spoke. I was like, man, that guy wasn't versed in, in distance. He got overwhelmed by the MMA guy uh, rushing his distance. And he thought that in in Kung Fu, you, you have these little moments like in boxing. In boxing... I always get frustrated because I was like, yeah, they clinch, but if you clinch too much, the referee gets upset at you. Stop clinching so much. And I was like, that's a legal move, by the way, but it's not what we appreciate in boxing. In boxing, you want them to be in the pocket or outside the pocket, but don't hug each other, you know, even though that's legally allowed. Um and I thought about that when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is in a ring. It's an MMA fight. The MMA fighters practice. The Kung Fu person has no clue. But I thought, give them time. Or even better, uh, 
don't do that. <laughs> like, if if you want to learn how to fight, tell me what you want, and I and I would say, I want to be able to punch someone in the face if they're trying to hurt me. Kung Fu can do that, but you have to practice it. You can't just. And and I think for me, I spent so many years in what people call traditional martial arts. Like I did Shotokan, uh, I did Judo. I don't know if jujitsu is a traditional martial art. I don't know if people think of it that the way, but I even did Taekwondo, you know, for a while. I, I surprisingly I left Taekwondo for a similar reason as to why Kung Fu isn't as attractive. I didn't like it. I thought it was too much sports based. It was my friend at the time was his dreams were, were of going to the Olympics. I don't know if he ever made it. Well, obviously, I wouldn't know. He didn't make it because I would have known. <laughs> I don't even know if he went to the Olympic tryouts is what I wanted to say. I just remember he was he was a really high-level competitor. And um, I just didn't like it, man. Like, I thought, like, why, are, why is everyone fighting with their hands on, on the sides? Because the point system doesn't give you that many points for punching someone in the face. So we were learning are sparring really awkward and but to to reference the idea of like did it have the things that i think are are useful yeah it has kicks punches blocks elbow strikes so i think there's things in every martial art but if we measure the value of martial arts by whether they can go up against an mma fighter i think we're gonna lose out a lot yeah, because more styles means, you know, more tools. And so, you know, you, you see people with a, a karate background, you know, like, you know, Machida family or, you know, S Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Michelle Watterson, you know, these people were versed in, you know, karate, which a lot of people, you know, like to poo-poo on. Um, and that's fine. But these people expanded their skill sets. And that that's what makes them... Um, you know, effective in, in their, in their sport. So I, I think that's for me, the only answer is to expand, uh, somebody's skill set. I mean, and that's where I stand in the defense of Kung Fu. Like I see it and I was talking to my daughter and she was telling me about her friend who her dad's a Kung Fu martial artist and is teaching her is teaching his daughter Kung Fu. So my daughter's kind of like, well, my dad's teaching me Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And, and then, and then she was, she was doing a move like, Oh yeah, I know what happened. So I told her, why don't you tell your friend to like join us? You know, when we go to Jiu Jitsu and she's like, nah, she doesn't want to do that because she's learning Kung Fu. And I, I made the comment of like, Kung Fu, doesn't she know that that's not going to go anywhere? <laughs> I was such a jerk. And then she goes, no, no, she even taught me this one move, dad. And it's, it's the one where the, the pose where you kind of like have the hourglass, your knees are kind of touching. Mm. Yeah. And it's like a position. And then she goes like that. This is so that if they try and do a soccer kick up your legs, they, you know, you can block it, mm. you know? And I was like, and I was like, yeah, that kind of, I've heard that one. I was like, but what if it's just a front snap kick to the stomach? And she's like, oh, I guess it goes through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but 
I know that I sounded so jerky because I'm being contradictory by saying I feel that like I know what that move is because we have it in Shotokan too. We have that stance. It's this stance where you are in this hourglass position and your knees are almost touching and you're holding it. It's weird. You know what the you know what the 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 move is the the stances you've seen it it's in it's in um in Bruce Lee's drawings where the guy is holding like this and he has his knee to, that move that's yeah. an actual stance you train hours yeah. and hours to be able to hold it but the point is that like I know that it works because of the way that it's supposed to ideally enhance power so that if I push you against the wall. And you are able to find some structure of composition to defend out of there. It's better than not having a structure of composition. And, and, and that's what that move is to me. You know, it's like, it's not like you're supposed to fight from there. Although some people might say you are. But I just thought about the idea that every, as you said, every martial art on this planet has value. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to measure its value whether it can withstand an MMA competitor, I think we're going to lose out tremendously on the wealth of knowledge that is held. I agree. I agree in knowledge and in places like libraries and the internet where we should, you know, have a, a large collection of, of knowledge and information for people to reference. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I respect all martial arts. I respect, I mean, you know, you, you take a look at uh, Zabit, you know, he, where he's from that school, it's Kung Fu, you know, but being able to use Kung Fu in a sparring situation and training like it's a boxing gym, you know, it becomes very, very effective. Yeah, I forgot to talk about Zabit. You know Zabit? Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. following him. Yeah, it's great. No, I think there's a space for all of this conversation to kind of think about the respect, but I can hear people say this, like it's one thing to respect and value techniques because they have an, a value in, the, in recognizing the collective diversity. And it's another thing to say, I just want something that works because I don't want to archive it out of respect. I want to use it. Um, so like even Krav Maga, which I think a lot of people kind of have their own critiques on it, I find it interesting because they're very much a newer martial art that is a composition of others. I would be curious what would happen to Krav Maga if an MMA fighter said, I challenge you, come into the ring. So I repeat, I repeat my question, like this idea that we're picking on Kung Fu I think is hiding something, hiding some type of alternative discrimination. Because if we follow this line, I think it would look pretty similar. Like if you went to, I, I think I told you what happened to me when, when I trained with one of my buddies, my neighbors who was a fighter and I already had my black belt, I think. And he, he, he humbled me, you know, and I, I was sparring every Saturday and Friday night in the dojo. And I wasn't the best, but I wasn't the worst either. I felt confident, but he was a street fighter with a little bit of 
Muay Thai and, and, and Skrima background and Jiu-Jitsu. And yeah, he was in my weight class. He was, he, out, he outweighed me for sure. And I'm making excuses. He was outside of my weight class. No, but his skill set was awesome. He fought almost every weekend without rules because he liked to fight. And I, I'm not that guy. In fact, the reason I, I felt awkward because I think it really humbled me because it put something in my head like, wow, if he really wanted to hurt me, he could, you know? And I don't know what it would have looked like if I was really trying to defend myself because I think I wouldn't have been so comfortable with like not using all the schools, uh, tool sets that were available. But I think that's the line that a lot of us are saying. Like, hey, I don't want to talk about martial arts as just being a collection of styles that the human collective has produced. I want to talk about simmering which are the three w tools I'm going to use when I, my life is at risk. Absolutely. And I think about, you know, certain uh, Kung Fu styles for close, you know, self-defense. It's like back in the day, you know, someone was going to grab your shirt, you know, you do these quick moves to, to brush them off um, and so on and so forth. So the context is very different. You know, it's not like, you know, d different Kung Fu styles for different contexts. I mean, um, you know, so yeah, I, I don't want to sound repetitive, but, um, I think, I think you, you, you wrapped it up nicely, D. I think you, um, I, I think, I think we really just kind of, you know, ex explored, explored this whole thing, you know, cause, cause anybody can be a keyboard warrior and talk trash. Anybody can do that, but to actually t have a good conversation and, and just kind of like to break it down, you know, it's <laughs> not, not that common, not that common. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited, you know, again, for the new, uh, martial artists coming out of China, you know, people like Zhang Wei Li, Song Yadong, already, you know, are, are, are already making their mark. So, you know, it's going to be more in places like in, um, you know, Russia and, you know, Dagestan and, and all those places. Amazing. I'm, I'm excited. With that said, it's been the Reroll Multiple Martial Arts Podcasts, where we explore the intersections of martial arts, society, and culture. Until next time, peace. Go take a martial art class. Take Kung Fu. <laughs>